This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and today I am so happy to welcome our first ever guest host on EdTech Weekly. Joining me today, our most decorated listener. She's called in multiple times to the show. She calls herself our only listener, but I think we know we have more listeners than that. So I think we'll just call her our super fan now. Meredith, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And to be quite honest, I'm a little nervous. Well, I'm sure you're going to do awesome. I feel like it's there's some sort of deja vu going on in my head right now. I feel like we've done this show before, so I am I I just know you're going to do well. So I don't think we have to worry about it at all. But Matt, well, I mean, somebody wanted me to ask, are you trying to take over Matt's role in the show? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll leave. Get- I've got some big shoes to fill. I got I got to warm myself up to this. But I, I do enjoy his presentation. You're going to give him a couple more weeks on the show, and then you're going to take it over. Sure. Sounds good. I like it. Well, since Meredith works in K-12 and specifically in counseling services, we're going to be looking at a couple stories and a resource that are more aimed towards her expertise. So we'll get started with our first story. Um, I'm very excited about this story because it was, in fact, posted on our subreddit. Um, the Reddit user JackRabbitM posted it uh, on a story from Medium. Um are you familiar with Reddit at all, Meredith? Do you know that community? You know, I, I've heard of it. I've heard you talk about it quite a bit on the podcast, but I am not very familiar with Reddit at all. Well, it's, it's actually a really cool community, and um, they police themselves really well, and they're very good about if you go into a specific subreddit for certain topics, they're really good about having information there, and they're very helpful, so it's, it's pretty cool. And I'm extremely happy to have this listener interaction because we set up this subreddit. We've got like about 30 people who are following the subreddit, which is pretty cool. We've had one or two interact, comment, and like things, and this is the first time that we've actually had somebody post the story. Um, I will say, I, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can pretty easily deduce from the username and the person who actually posted the article or wrote the article that this is basically just an advertisement. But you know what? I'm okay with that. Um, Matt and I have shamelessly said that we'll plug people's uh, services or whatever if they call us um, on the show. So I'm okay with this. I'm just happy that somebody's on our Reddit community, on our subreddit and listening and posting. So we thank you anyway, Jackrabbit M, and, and let's get to your story. So you posted on Medium about hacking beacons that are enabling a new way of learning for kids. Now, perhaps you've heard of beacons and what they can do, but basically what they do is allow devices to interact based on sort of two-way communication and based sort of uh, primarily on location as well. So an example would be, you know, a lamp might turn on when your watch or your phone get within a certain distance of that beacon. So this technology has tons of possibilities and Jackrabbit Mobile, hence the uh, username on Reddit, JackrabbitM Labs, is trying to develop the next way students can interact with their environment. Um, there's a few videos on the site or on the on the uh, website, and I, what I would ask you to do is just check out the link on edtechweeklyshow.com, and you can see those videos if you'd like. They also kind of talk about how this technology could be used maybe in the future as another layer of security, um, maybe make museums more interactive, and also improve that geofencing location type data and also tracking of students. Um, so, and Meredith, is there anything about this that you find interesting? I could see a ton of uses for the speaking technology, especially in education. Um, I really liked how the developers focused on the technology um, used to educate children. So they're really saying, okay, well, we're going to look at, at mainstreaming, at, at bettering this technology, but let's use it to 
to, you know, to help promote education of, of kids, which is awesome. Um, and I think that um, it would be awesome to see this like in an interactive classroom. Can you imagine if kids could get things to do things and communicate more? And I, I just think I could see it being really, really cool. Um, and also providing better communication between students and teachers, uh, whether that's, you know, um, what students are understanding, what they're not understanding in the classroom, you know, that kind of thing. There, there could be a lot of uses for that. As yeah. a counselor, I think that this would be really great to help figure out where kids are. Are they attending class? Are they in class currently? Um, you know, we have to rely on teachers to take attendance. And although it's done electronically, it's not reliable. Students or teachers may wait till the end of the school day. They may wait till the end of the period. They may mistake one kid for another. Um, you know, I think that we that we could definitely um, have better, more reliable attendance. And then because of that, it could really help um, eliminate some of the extra time that's spent sending passes or calling kids out or trying to figure out where kids are on campus. Yeah, as a former educator in K-12, I can say on some occasions guilty as charged um, in terms of taking <laughs> attendance and, and getting it wrong. Um, you know, I remember occasions where I would have a student come up to me the next game and be like, uh, you marked me absent yesterday and I was in class and I'm like, and then they go, remember I asked this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sorry about that. So it's it's not a perfect system, even when you are trying to pay attention. And a lot of times, as you said, attendance doesn't get entered until the end of the day. So if you're a counselor and you're trying to track whether someone's in class or not, to know whether you can call them on a pass or not, you're really not going to get that opportunity if it looks like they're not there and they are or vice versa. So, I mean, to be able to take that, the human element sort of out of, attendance i mean there's a lot of implications about i mean i know every teacher in the entire k-12 world would you know rejoice if they didn't have to take attendance anymore and it was just a beacon and when kids came in it knew and when they left it knew i mean that would be pretty awesome for oh, sure it would it would be really helpful i know i've had many parent teacher conferences where you're sitting with a student and a teacher in the same room and they're both saying opposite things. No, I was there. I wasn't, the kid wasn't there. And, you know, you're trying to come up with a, a resolution. And, and, you know, unfortunately, we oftentimes have to take the word of the teacher because they're our peer and an adult. And, you know, I mean, you just, you got to go for it. And it, that he said, she said could totally be, uh, you know, like we said, like eliminated by um, having this technology. So. Yeah. And there, and of course, technology doesn't always work right. So there could be some issues there. Um, but at the end of the day, if it could work effectively enough, even just to help communication for counselors to know if students are attending and all that, because, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, it can be a real pain for you as a counselor trying to send passes out. It's a very time consuming thing only to have a TA deliver or try to deliver, then come back 10, 15 minutes later and say, yeah, they weren't in class. I mean, that time could be used so much more efficiently if you knew for a fact they were in that class and then even go one further and not have to send a pass, but, you know, alert a beacon to tell the teacher to send them. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many ways. And I know people say, well, there's email, but 
they don't check people don't check email while they're teaching either so it's 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 a difficult prospect for that communication so this could really be awesome yeah imagine the student had like a smart watch or a, you know like a fitbit type watch and it would vibrate and you know have a pass to come down to the office i mean it would be it would it could really it could really be beneficial and and save save a ton of time for the school counselors and, and office staff in general you didn't just throw in Fitbit because I just got a Fitbit and you're challenging me to a weekend step challenge, did you? That's not some sort of trash talk, is it? It, it may have been. Uh, I thought I thought that might be have been thrown in there for a reason. Well, let's move on to our next story, Meredith. And this actually builds upon what we just talked about. This is from Geek Time, and it talks about what will the impact be of the Internet of Things on education. And for those of you who aren't well-versed or don't know a lot about the Internet of Things, it's really just a way to describe how... So many of our everyday things like ovens, lights, refrigerators, and other objects are becoming connected to the internet and each other. Um, you know, when we look at it for home uses, it's pretty easy to understand, right? If you leave the house, you look at your smartphone, you can see, did I leave the oven on? If so, then turn it off and you can do that from your phone. Like that sort of makes sense. But, you know, from an educational impact, it, it sometimes takes a little bit more to think about. And there's a lot of varying sort of ideas about how this might work in education. Uh, the article actually talks about measuring brain waves uh, like EEG reading to see if students are paying attention. And then if not, maybe they need to be redirected and you could send an activity directly to their smartphone. Um, it seems a little creepy to me. And especially with you on the show, Meredith, I think I'd like to talk more about the practical sort of maybe less creepy implications, um, especially of these two first stories that we're mentioning. Um, I personally could think about like an ID that maybe was connected that students have that would be in conjunction with beacons like we were talking about before that would automatically in real time relay attendance information um, and which would be awesome. Um, what type of impact would something like this that's fairly simple uh, make in schools from your perspective? Well, like you said, I think the attendance piece is huge. Also eliminating the archaic paper pass, uh, as we mentioned in the last article. But even beyond that, I think it would be um, really useful in terms of communication for counselors because they don't see students every single day. They they may not see a student in a while and they don't always know every student's interest. But if you had some of this beacon technology, you could use it for communicating reminders about scholarships and you could refine that to specific classrooms. Um, so let's, for example, you know, let's say you're given a drama for class, um, which would be a, sort of a senior drama class. And then you came across a scholarship for a local theater company that is trying to, to sponsor a, you know, a couple thousand dollar scholarship to a high school student. Well, you could then send the students in that classroom the reminder or the information about that particular scholarship matches their, you know, their interest, and then hopefully they'd be more likely to apply. Um, so finding that way to communicate and uh, um, you know, share that information would be really helpful. You could also use that with the college application process, deadlines for local universities. Um, I just think it would really make things, you know, a lot smoother and more streamlined if you could communicate that way. Yeah, I mean, those those ideas to me, Meredith, are brilliant. I mean, I, I'd never even thought about it from that perspective. I mean, to me, the easy way to go with that is the attendance and just sort of the location based on that type of stuff. And, and I think that would be all really, really useful. But what you talk about when, when you talk about 
targeting students for things that are important to them specifically, you know, there's really no easy way to communicate with a, a large group of students other than just sort of blanketing them with, you know, here's a list of all the scholarships students can apply for. Um, and it's just, it's not really efficient. And the concept of you being able to sort of target, okay, are, are you going into a junior class? Well, if you're going into a junior level class, then now would be a good time to remind you that early application for colleges is coming up. Or, you know, if you're in a art class, then you might, like you had mentioned, you might, you know, give them some scholarship information. I mean, it's, to me, that's really brilliant. And it seems to me like, if we can get this to be used that way, it could be so helpful to teachers, to administrators, to um, counselors, and to the students themselves. I mean, even parents, I'm sure there are ways of integrating that as well into this. I mean, it it just seems like this could be a way to take away all that, like you said, archaic um, you know, paper things that could actually be super useful for students and teachers alike. Totally. I, I completely agree. I mean, right now, our, our main means of communication would be those paper passes and or email, but to plug in emails for specific classes and all, I mean, it's just it's just out of hand. It, it takes forever. So you send blanket emails, but we all know that kids don't read all those emails. So and ne- neither do teachers. Yeah. Trying to, <laughs> and teachers. So if you're really trying to communicate effectively, you would just eliminate the, what's being communicated and target it to the right people. So... Um, not only is it more accessible, but, uh, you know, a great, a great quick way to do it. My one concern with all of this beacon technology and, and some of this quick Internet of Things, kind of like Big Brother. I mean, <laughs> this is a <laughs> lot uh, to be shared. And, and I think in the public school system, which is where I have most of my roots, I think we would definitely be, be uh, have, have some concerns with privacy. Um you know, I, I don't know if it would be allowed. I could see it in a, uh, more of a private school, at least initially, where they could have parents sign releases of information and, and, and you know, forego some of those privacy concerns. But really, you're having someone know where you are all the time. And that's a little bit it's a little bit scary. Yeah, I mean, and I, I suppose that's definitely a bridge that would have to be crossed. And privacy is obviously a big concern. But at the end of the day, in terms of attendance and in terms of some of those other things, I think those are kind of expected when you go to a school. But you're right. I mean, when you start looking into targeting for scholarships and all those other things, why is it that maybe I don't take an art class, but I love art? Maybe I just don't want to take it in school, but I'm really good at it and I could get a great scholarship, but I didn't know about it because I wasn't targeted because of this. So, I mean, there's, there are definitely some ways that, you know, this could become a problem. And as always, uh, you and I both know well, when it comes to the K-12 world, as we both have been in it for quite some time, um, these concerns can derail some really cool things. So hopefully that can get figured out. But I mean, the possibilities here are just so cool that it's hard to just, you know, pass it up by these sort of Oh no! What's going to happen someday down the road if we initiate this kind of stuff? You know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our final story, and this is one that you know there's some controversy about, uh, especially in the K twelve slash. I mean, this is actually kind of a part of both higher ed and the K twelve world. Um, there is a uh, coalition that's the Coalition for Excess Affordability and Success. It's an online platform. It's a tool. 
Um, and, and this is really more your area of expertise. So I'll, I'll let you explain more about it and why it's controversial. But essentially, it's a way to help um, students target universities, I believe. Maybe you could explain a little bit. Of course, sure. The, uh, the Coalition for Access, Affordability, and Success is essentially an online platform very similar to the Common App, which almost everyone has heard about. Um, but it's, it's a group of schools who are member schools. There's 90 currently. They're looking to try to get more, but who have come together and said, you know, we're going to allow students to apply to our school through this platform. And once they complete the basic information um, on the application, they don't have to do it a thousand times over for each university or college that they're applying to. They just do it here and they can submit everything through here, their grades, their transcripts, letters of recommendation, all of that would just be uploaded to one central site. Um, but the site is much more than just that. Uh, the coalition, what they're offering, which is a little new and different um, and, and quite controversial right now is a uh, student portfolio. So essentially a student could start sort of a, their resume, if you would say, in the ninth grade and start listing all of the accolades that they've had, any you know, major projects that they've worked on, any papers that they've written, presentations that they've done. They can upload whatever they want to this portfolio or resume, I guess, and, and sort of keep track of everything that they're doing so that when it comes time to the application process, they not only have a list of everything, but it's all already in one place. So you're not tracking down that ninth grade English paper that from about Macbeth that you thought was so wonderful and you want to submit to the university for your admissions process. This, so this, this immediately gives me concerns, Meredith. Like it scares me to think that um, students are going to be this vested in what a college might think of their work so early. I mean, is this, how is this, how does this look from your perspective? Well, you know, I think um, from a parent's perspective, yes, the pa parents are going to be all over this and wanting to get their kids on there right away. I mean, even as young, probably as middle school, they're going to want their kids to get in and create a profile and, and start looking through some of what this website has to offer. But honestly, I don't think the colleges are going to have time to be accessing all of this information. So they're really going to want to, you know, look at, at what they've looked at forever. And, and very rarely are they going to want to be looking at, uh, you know, let's say a student's John Smith's video uh, from the Lion King performance in, at school and trying to evaluate whether or not that makes him a better candidate for their for their college. Do you think it do you think it could be turned into a like, OK, these two people are essentially equal from their essay and their grade point average. Let's dig deeper and see things that they've done earlier on. I mean, is that really like is a ninth grade video or essay going to really prove anything that a student can do once they are a senior and going to be in college? I mean, is, do you think that they'll go back far and look at this stuff and it will actually maybe give someone an edge over someone else? Probably not. I think, honestly, what they would do is try to take the students' most recent works, anything they posted on there, um, you know, from their senior year. That is a true test of where this, of who the student is currently, and that's the student that you're going to be bringing on to your college campus. They're not bringing in the ninth grade kid. You know, that student has changed in the four years of high school. I mean, they grow from being a 13, 14-year-old 
little kid to an 18 year old, a, a ton of growth in those four years. And so to really say that something from the ninth grade is going to make or break you in college, if I were that student, I probably wouldn't have it in my portfolio. And that's the great thing about this. The, 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 what the coalition is offering is the portfolio. You can just put in there what you want. You don't have to put anything at all. That's not going to hinder your admissions process. Um, you can add too much. You can add too little. You, I mean, it's not going to make a difference. But it is one thing that the colleges may go to if needed, but most of the universities that we talked to, we talked to admission directors from some of the major universities here where we live, and they had said, you know, it's probably not going to make a big difference for us because we're not going to have time. Right. I, wa- I worry about the other edge end of this, though, and that's the perception from students and parents. Like you said, how parents are going to want them to be on it and doing all this stuff. I mean, I've seen, you know, I, I, in my time in K-12, I really did a lot more of the um, – students who were having struggling with school and not the experience was not going well for them. I was not necessarily in the AP classes a lot, but I did deal with some students in that way. And I felt like the pressure was all consuming for them already. And I worry that they're going to internalize this and parents are going to make this into something that, like you said, even though the reality is unless something major changes, universities just don't have the manpower to be, you know, combing through all this stuff. But is the perception going to change the experience for students and are they then going to like freak out in every assignment? They're going to feel like, oh, if this isn't good, I can't put it in there and then therefore I'm not going to make it into a certain school. I mean, I feel like that pressure is already pretty tremendous. It is. It's definitely palpable. (laughs) But I would say that this and that's the part where a school counselor gets to step in and do the education. Um, to the parents, to the students, uh, present at the open house nights and all those things where we get to go in and really say, like, this is not to be a make or break it platform. This is a way for you to use what we would call a digital resume. You know, record that award you won in ninth grade because that's something the colleges do want to know about. They don't want to read your ninth grade English paper. They might want to know about the award you won for, you know, best art project in in the state or in the school or the district, whatever it might be. So those sort of accolades or those sort of things that stand out that we would put on a resume is what the students are going to want to, you know, to keep track of. Um, And I even I've been telling this to students for years to kind of create this stuff on their own and keep a digital record of everything that they're doing. This just creates a platform for the colleges to see and access. Yeah. It. It's, it's, it's really cool. And I mean, you know, there are so many things that can be discussed as we break off of some of these things. Like, um, you know, there's less members in this school and there's a lot more with common app. I mean, what does that mean? And I mean, there really is a lot. And unfortunately in this show, we just don't have enough time to go into all that. But I mean, I really, really think you've touched on something here, Meredith, from a counselor perspective. And I just, I really appreciate you being on the show and your perspective has been really good. And I'm, I think Matt should be concerned. I think Matt should be very frightened that you may in fact usurp him and take over his spot. I, I can't say much to that. We'll 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 just let let the dead dog lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I did want to mention one thing to you. We did EdTech Weekly received another voicemail. What? Just just a little while ago, 
and it was from a person other than you. So this is our this is another first for the show. I, I felt like I could try to rush it in and put it in the show, but out of respect to you, our most esteemed caller, um, I, we're gonna leave it for next week. Um, do you feel any twinge maybe of jealousy about this other caller, not knowing anything about who it is or what it may say? A little bit. Um, but you know what? I'm just going to claim it as I started the ball rolling. That's right. You were, you were a pioneer and we appreciate it. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Meredith. Um, you know, the, the listeners aren't really familiar exactly what's going on with Matt, but I have a feeling he may not be able to be here next week either. So do you think you could work it in your schedule one day next week to join us again? Um, I believe I could. I believe I could. I mean, you're really, there's a little bit of pressure there, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the bait. So, Well, that's why I did it on the show while we are recording. I feel if I texted you this, you'd be, you just kind of blow me off. So I've, I've got a firm commitment that you will do your best to be on the show. And that's, that's all I could ask for. Well, once again, Meredith, uh, really appreciate you being on the show. You did an awesome job. Um, I do always at the end of the show give a featured way to interact with the show. And because we had our first subreddit post, go to edtechweekly.reddit.com. Again, you know, maybe you're like Jack Rabbit M. Maybe you just posted a story on Medium or somewhere else and you want somebody to talk about it. Hey, I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll talk about it. So get on there, edtechweekly.reddit.com. Post the story you'd like us to talk about. Again, we have like 30 people following it. Be a part of the community, even if you just want to share other resources for other teachers like that you don't even care if they're on the show. I mean, it's a cool community that we can start there, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we had our first person post. Meredith, I always ask Matt at the end of the show, and I don't really want to put a lot of pressure on you because Matt has his own thing going on here, but is there anything you'd like to say to the audience as you uh, end your first show and possibly work into next next week being on the show? Well, sure. Uh, EdTech Weekly listeners, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, listen to us over here. And um, I'd love a little bit of feedback on what you thought my first podcast, how it went. Um, so get on Twitter or Reddit or give a phone call to, um, to EdTech Weekly and please share uh, your opinion on how you think I did. Well, you know what? You made it classy. You classed up the ending. Matt does not have that sort of flair. He doesn't usually be, he doesn't usually go classy and you made it classy and I appreciate that. And I'm sure the listeners do too. So we will see you all and hopefully Meredith too next week on EdTech Weekly. Yay. All right. You did awesome, Meredith. Thank you so much.